and welcome to WCW vs. NWO podcast, the podcast that analyzes, dissects, and hot tides one of the most important eras of wrestling history. I am your host, Dave, and this episode will be looking at a very special occasion in WCW history. Instead of looking at the next pay-per-view, we're going to be covering the 100th episode of Nitro. Because of the Monday Night Wars, a lot of crazy things went down in Nitros, and this edition is no different. Now, I can't look at a war without my troops. Joining me, as always, my co-hosts. First up, Fergus Looney. How are you doing, Fergus? Good, good. I'm, uh, I'm nice and hopped up on some sugar, so I can keep up with the breakneck pace of this Nitro. Doing good. Looking forward to talking about this. Awesome. And as always, from across the pond, Connor O'Donnell. How are you keeping? Doing great, Dave. Yeah, this is uh, quite the episode of Nitro. I thought it was going to be you know, a good example of how Nitro typically is, but... Well, while some aspects are there, but this show is three hours and it's overloaded with just nonsense. I mean, the two-hour nachos, there's some nonsense in there, but it is, this is, it's jacked up to 11 for this episode. Yeah, I feel bad criticizing current three-hour products as being disorganized because, whoa, when they first start doing it, it was, uh, it was all over the place. For those of you that are following along at home, the network has this as the 99th episode because it doesn't count the Saturday Night Nitro where Jericho won the Cruiserweight belt because it's kind of just a big house show and isn't very much a Nitro at all. Here is where I'd usually throw it to Connor for the Nitro recap, but since this whole thing is a Nitro episode, we haven't had to put Connor through the this, ringer as much this week. This is just some like heinous plan by you to force us to watch a Nitro, isn't it? <laughs> It's just so I can do less work. Come on. Yeah, okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> we start off the episode with Michael Buffer in ring, and he gives us uh, the classic tagline, let's get ready to rumble, warms up the crowd, makes it feel like a big occasion. I do not watch many Nitros. Is this a normal way, or is this special to have Buffer with us for Nitro, Connor? Uh, it is special. Uh, the first, there was two weeks ago, he did intro the show. He introduced the Nitro Girls, uh, when they first yeah. uh, appeared on Nitro, so since this is a special show, hundredth episode, I don't, I didn't mind Buffer starting out the show as well. The crowd just like it, they're super hot. They knew what was going to happen on the show as well, since the title match was announced the previous week as well. Sure, yeah, it, the, the crowd seems super into it. Buffer throws it over to the Nitro girls. I always wondered why these weren't at pay per views. The Nitro girls seem very over, they get very big reactions. They eventually become parts of storylines and stuff. And yeah, I, I don't know why they're not used on pay-per-views more. Well, with pay-per-views, they don't need to waste as much time. time yeah. <laughs> I'm going to guess that like they were probably trotted out every time there was a commercial break as well for the crowd. Yeah, and, yeah, very fair. So, which, which you just don't need to do for a pay-per-view. So. And a fantastic trend that started here with the first viewing of the Nitro girls is the commentators making pervy comments about them <laughs> the entire time. So I had this picture in my head that they were very over-sexualized and I think they do get, a, I think they're in cages and stuff later in some nitros, but these are just, they come off as like just a dance troupe. It's not that weird until the commentators start saying their weird things. Let's not forget that it's the mid nineties also, Dave. Right? Yeah. It's, it's a very different time. Their, their outfits are so, so 90s it's, it's yeah fantastic. <laughs> I, love it. I, I was gonna say it looks like a, a tlc video right kind mm-hmm. of yeah Definitely yeah to start with their red velour tracksuits uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah crop tops that don't hide much but are also somehow very baggy at the same time but yeah again just normal couple second dance and you might as well just hear some 
heavy breathing <sighs> from the commentary desk instead of actual please, commentary. Please don't do that again. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's Shivani especially makes a point every time they show up of asking his wife to stop watching. Like he's yes. going to run up to the yes. stage and do something to one of the women. It's yeah. really gross. Yeah. Oh, this is my favorite part of Nitro. I think at least three times. He says that. <laughs> yeah, oh, <my> God. <laughs> Every single show, like having to degrade yourself and degrade other people so much worse. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. And looking back at it, though, like, I mean, they're they're cheerleaders. So I thought like I had some bad memories of of these girls being flaunted out. But fear. Yeah, it seems seems OK. It's better than what the WWF was doing at this point. Yeah, yeah it just seems pretty fine and pretty normal normal to me. Again, later, we'll probably pop in to a Nitro a couple of years later and think differently, but at the moment, yeah, fine. I mean, even later in the show, Bobby is way worse, to be fair. Bob- mm-hmm. Bobby is pretty awful, yeah. <laughs> I think everybody everybody in WCW is much worse, except Jericho, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Shivani also introduces us to two other announcers, different from the pay-per-views. We have Larry Sabisco and Mike Tanay. Mike Tanay taking the full show uh, over Dusty and Sabisco takes the first hour, but Brain comes and joins us for the second and this time third hour, which I assume Brain just costs too much money to have full full show. They probably it's probably in his contract for a number of hours. I'd say that's true. That's true. Maybe he can't start till he's sauced. <laughs> I, I think it was through. just part of the it was part of the formula at the time because Raw did this at, at the same thing as well. They would split hours of their show and they would do different commentary teams so yes. i don't even know if it was a contractual thing it just might have been just a part of their show really and i mean i couldn't i couldn't take two hours of larry zabisco to be honest no. i'm not <laughs> oh, a huge God, fan no. of his what what do you guys think of having like a completely different almost completely different commentary crew on the nitros than on pay-per-views like just no dusty at all for example i don't mind that so much i think if you had dusty all the time could you imagine how unbearable it would be that's true like it would just be too much. At the same time, I do think this commentary team is not good. Individually, I'm sure that they can be fine. Like Shivoni, Shivoni, Tony Shivoni, Shivoni. <laughs> I'll get it eventually. He's a good commentator, but Mike Tanay is the same person. Like they're functionally mm. the same person, particularly in the opening match. I noted it down. All they do is they just parrot the same thing over and over. It goes on and on where you may as well be just listening to some person do a monologue. And Larry is not much better either. One thing I think Larry excels at, though, he has some legitimacy, obviously, because he can still wrestle. So his interactions with the NWO have been enjoyable. So on the previous week, he ragdolled Bischoff around. So I think WCW is using him effectively in in that kind of role of like the NWO. They'll push around all the other commentators. But Larry's like, nope, I'm not taking shit from you guys. That's so that enough. part has actually been, yeah, that's been entertaining. But uh, yeah, otherwise, uh, him trying to get New World Order over for like the first couple months, I'm like, oh, please stop. I remember <laughs> those shows. <laughs> <laughs> but and I, I think it's it's also his tone, commentator standpoint. The three of them sound very similar and they don't really do enough to separate their personalities. Show starts off with Hogan coming out with the spray painted WCW title accompanied by Bish. A lot of NWO merch and two sweets in the crowd, much like current indie shows. <laughs> uh, Connor, you, you actually had an interesting fact about um, the music they're using for Hogan now. Yeah, this is straight up from the Observer. And this is what I remember most about WCW and Hogan. I mean, this is when they they paid apparently $100,000 to the estate of Jimi Hendrix to allow Hogan to use 
the song called Voodoo Child as Hogan's ring music for, it says the next 12 months, but I remember through 98 that he was using this. So very iconic. This is like, I would remember like, I have vivid memories of skiing with my dad and humming Voodoo Child and going like, eh, Joby, oh. (laughs) (laughs) It actually fits Hogan very well. It fits the guitar playing a little bit better. But it, man, it really that's does, a yeah. lot of money for one wrestler's theme, it seems like. Especially for a guy who's probably not showing up every to every week. <laughs> <laughs> that, and uh, they can't use that music ever again, because obviously if you watch the, the network, they just put the regular NWO music, which is yep. a bunch of Hendrix riffs too, so I, copyright is just really weird. I, I will never understand this. Well, you, you have to use like under a certain amount of time, right? And then it's like an yeah. homage, it's not copyright, it's, it's weird. Sure. It, it suits him very well. He took it into his w, WE run as well when he returns yes. after he breaks up in the NWO. Oh, he did? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. He, Which is they, weird. they used it for a brief while, not, not for yeah. very long. But, and, when he and turns then face, they went they back to um, Real American. So, yeah, I actually wanted to bring up a point of, for for, the, um, for his music that it's funny that they paid that much music for Hogan's like new theme, but Giant still does not have any music, which is just, it's so WCW. <laughs> it's, it's not even funny anymore. It's just an interesting flex by Hogan. Like, definitely, this is just, <laughs> no, no one else, I, I can bet you a large sum of money that no one else was like, Hogan needs more, more music, because the NWO music was over, uh, super over, you know, just get such reaction, and Hogan's like, you know what, I want Voodoo Child, why? I like Voodoo Child, <laughs> get it for me, and they just kind of have to, what about Giant, he can come out to nothing. <laughs> Before we move on, because I mean, this promo is like super short and everything, I wanted to ask, had they brought up the alternate number one contender before this or is this just on this nitro alternate new one, number one contender what do you mean so when so that promo the, the hogan promo that he's about to have in the ring is like he sets up like oh so we're gonna have the match tonight blah blah blah, and he's like so when i beat luger i'm gonna wrestle uh, scott hall instead at road world yeah i don't know what he's talking about I, that's still conf- i was gonna bring that up because so I have- that that's just on this night is it like it's I don't know never where Scott Hall comes before. from either. So, yeah, so okay. I guess what he's trying to say is like I like yeah. once I beat Luger, I'll wrestle somebody else. But I don't know yeah. where Hall comes from. So that's, that's I'm just, assuming he's just like uh, I'll just let somebody I like wrestle. Yeah, wrestle yeah. me. On, on right, TV. right. Well, no, it comes up this week because last week was like when it was announced, and Hogan doesn't get a word in about because the whole reason why Hogan has to wrestle tonight is because apparently. The championship clause of 30 days, even though what Hogan hasn't defended the title in <laughs> six months? Four, four or five months at least, yeah. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> so that's why the title shot is tonight instead of Sturgis. Right, right. Okay, makes perfect sense. But okay, yeah, no, that's what that's kind of what I thought was like, he's just kind of throw away, put it into the promo, explain what's going to happen if and when he beats Luger tonight kind of thing. I hate that he puts it in the promo. It's a bit when they do like a career versus hair match and you know that career is never going. Someone's getting shaved. It's the same here. Once you put something like that in the line that essentially the title won't be defended on the pay-per-view because the NWO are all just going to lie down to Hogan. It it kind of can spoil the ending. It's giving less of a tension to the match, you know, I think anyway. I do like Hogan. He kind of, he's been kind of pivoting back, at least for this kind of feud. He's kind of revving up like his initial heel promo of like how he's the god of wrestling or you know saved wrestling or whatever it's it's a lot better angle than what he's been doing of spouting the nonsense so at least he kind of has a direction a point here at least coherent yeah yeah it is instead of just kind of flexi lexi and (laughs) i have a better body and all that shit that he's been spouting 
Yeah, I thought it was grand and it was short, mm-hmm. which was really good, I thought. I thought I think the entrance was longer than the, the promo. Yeah. <laughs> to, to get the whole promo across to people, basically, everything we've covered there, but also running down how um, they had to go behind his back to get the match booked tonight, that he was prepared for Road Wild and Sturgis, but, you know, he's going to still take Luger down here and then fight Hall at Road Wild, uh, Wild instead. They play his music so he can exit. But then he has more to say, so he <laughs> yeah, asks Ji- he asks Jimmy to cut the music. I assume they don't. Ji- yeah, I, I assume Jimmy's someone in the production truck. I don't know, or uh, he, or, he or he's talking to Jimmy in in the grave. Jimmy Hendrix. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> That's a totally different context when uh, <laughs> when you forget that he's got Voodoo Child. Uh, it's not yeah. an hour, and then it doesn't ever cut. And he just has to talk through his pro, uh, his entrance music. I guess they got to get the uh, money worth out of <laughs> Voodoo Child. He tells us he's going to mop the floor with Lex and then just leaves because his music has never stopped, which I thought was very funny. After this, we get the commentary team telling us that Hogan's attorney, reaffirming that Hogan's attorney has tried to stop this match, but couldn't. I really dislike attorney angles, but we'll get into that at a different stage. <laughs> they also tell us that J.J. Dillon has an offer for Sting tonight. Been waiting for this a year. Sting hasn't talked in a full year. They make they make note of that multiple times in the broadcast, and we might finally get to hear him talk. Multiple. multiple You're still yeah. underselling it, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Sting hasn't talked. I still, I'm not sure if he's talked. There's today. a full on drinking game for this for this nitro. 100%. If you want to get absolutely obliterated, shit-faced of your, in the first half hour, just watch this. And anytime they talk about J.J. Dillon, Sting, the Steiner brothers, the fact that it's three hours or the Hogan title match, and you will be blackout before you know what's coming. <laughs> <laughs> Very fair. First, we get our uh, first singles match from Kurt Hennig. He gets to fight Mortis tonight. Mortis is out with Vandenberg. Uh, then Hennig is out with his classic Mr. Perfect gear. Just the exact Mr. Perfect gear, right? Singlet. I mean... Two different, black and a different color. Just doesn't have the words Mr. Perfect on like, it. That's pretty much how he's always wrestled. So, yeah. But yeah. I was going to go further than that. He just does the gimmick. <laughs> yeah, he has the towel. He spits out the gun when he hits it into the crowd. He's got the towel, yeah. 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 And the, the straps are finally up. I think he's just back in shape or something. Yeah, or, you've pointed yeah. it out. And I was, he's in a lot yeah. better shape already. Um, yeah, it's only a couple of weeks into into his employment as well, right? Four or five weeks into his employment, maybe a bit longer. It's like somebody just went, can can you just lose a bit of weight, please? He might have seen himself on camera, yeah, <laughs> possibly. Maybe. Yeah. Or, you know, he's employed now. Maybe he's, he has to stop his uh, stop drinking a little bit as much, though that hasn't stopped all of them in the past. I don't know if it's the network, but his music is the most bland. It's just nothing and... I should have double checked. Yeah, I don't know. I have. It's a very Van Halen ripoff music. Yeah, <laughs> it's so shit. Yeah, like most of the, of the intros. <laughs> well, not Mortis. Oh, his his music's oh, great. Yeah. Yeah. Mortis still with the best entrance. Him or Glacier still best entrance of the uh, of the company. Mortis is still using his weird karate stance, even though he never does martial arts. So it's like, is it the uh, was it the Hollywood Blondes used to come out with skateboards? Did they? It's no. Someone, it might have been the blondes. There's a story of I think I think it's the blondes where it's oh they come out with skateboards and they kept doing it and eventually the crowd turned on them like what are they doing like they know you can't use the skateboards <laughs> you, never, <laughs> you never get on them so if Mortis keeps like squaring up like he knows martial arts if he doesn't do anything but a roundhouse kick his entire life 
I'm going to call BS and that he doesn't know martial arts, but you know, that's me. Well, you mentioned weird earlier. This matchup is just weird. I know we wanted Mortis to wrestle, wrestle like other people than like Glacier, but he does not fit in the universe of WCW, especially when we still haven't established like his character really, other than he's karate guy opposing well, Glacier. I think what shows here is Hennig absolutely dominates the match. We're going to call it a squash. We're going to tell you straight away. Sure. Hennig just gets his, his first win here in the company. Later on, we see Rat wrestle, and he gets to be big and throw someone around and get some offense in that goes with his scary costume and entrance. Mortis just seems like an average-sized guy with average-sized wrestling moves that gets dominated by another average-sized guy, and they don't make Mortis look strong in defeat at all. They just make him look out-muscled, out-wrestled, and well, that's kind of it. I mean, that's because they don't talk about the match at all. Like, yeah, there may well. as well not be commentators for this match because they're not paying any attention. <laughs> this show is just very Attitude Era type show. I mean, we've we've had, we had the the opening promo about what's coming up further. Yeah, and then it's let's talk about all the other storylines. Let's not worry about the crappy match. And then yeah, where's match. Austin? <laughs> they might as well just be saying where's Austin over? Where's Pucci? Where's who's, the, <laughs> <laughs> who's this? Who's this big announcement from the Steiners? If it's who we think it is, it's going to be a major one. Oh, wow. So. Stop talking about it. <laughs> the, the other like very attitude error thing. So there's a lot more signs going yeah. around. And I love, I don't know if you guys caught this, but early on security takes away a sign from the guy from the front row. Cause oh, one no. of the signs that says China is the man. <laughs> that was, that was a common oh, no. sign also just on raw for a long time. Unfortunately, also Becky, that's, that's a uh, Becky Lynch is gimmick. That's a uh, gimmick infringement right there. Perfect finishes with a perfect plex, of course, renamed to a Hennig plex here. Did they actually name it? Yeah, yeah they, they, the commentary called it the Hennig plex, which is... I thought they just called it a fisherman suplex, but whatever. Yeah, yeah just called it a fisherman bust or something. It's weird to rename it like that. The heel versus heel squash is something I find a bit weird, especially when one of the heel... Maybe if one of the heels was a monster and another one was being a coward, but they both just wrestled a straight-up match where Mortis got completely outdone. And I don't think Mortis has ever looked less scary considering his gimmick is like demon guy. We brought this up slightly before you came on, Dave, but um, are you sure that uh, Kurt Hennig is the heel? Uh, I guess we don't know. He acts kind of heelish, but I guess the Mr. Perfect gimmick is always heelish. It's just that like he's in this kind of weird limbo-y place and the crowd is definitely on his side. They they talk about him being a horseman and it's it's probably the horseman dynamic again. And it's why we said he'd fit in perfectly with that kind of stable their tween i guess he's a tweener i thought it was a decent opener though just to see like hennig like actually wrestle decently not shitty i mean this is probably a better way to to introduce him as well and just kind of get that ring rust off get him in a short match hit all those good spots and then yeah yeah i just wish it wasn't mortis they had plenty of guys to right to card out that he could have crushed that weren't a guy that just stopped an unbeaten streak just won a feud by beating an unbeaten streak squashed in less than a minute or whatever it was yeah. Yep, it's going to happen many times on the show. Yep. <laughs> when we get back from commercials after this match, we get a fan ripping up Monday Night Raw signs, and that's going to be a common theme through this broadcast and through the rest of the Monday Night Wars, really. You think that was staged? <laughs> mm, yes. Maybe. I wouldn't put on. I was being sarcastic. It was yeah, definitely staged. It's 100% staged. <laughs> do you guys want to be on a camera? Sure. You got to do this. Sure. <laughs> Sure. Do you, think, do you think Bish made the sign himself? Just has some. It looks like it's been ripped from a magazine. Oh, that's true. It's like a fold out. I think that could that could be very true. I do hate the. I do 
despised or referring to the other company stuff all the time in any walks of life. Like we have mobile phone commercials over here that refer to the other networks. And I, it comes off as stupidly petty to me and watching that stuff back now for both places comes across as stupidly petty. Man, you'd, you'd love American ads then, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Promo package after this, uh, showing old Sting carrying WCW until he turns into new Sting. There's a bunch of cuts of Sting appearing since, dropping in un- unexpectedly, a lot of poking people with bats. Weird that very little of this has happened on pay-per-views, and it's mostly Nitro stuff. I thought this was mad naff. Yeah, it's true. At the same point, the production quality of this promo is like not great, but still, if you're like a new fan going into this episode, it like catches you up with like everything that's happened over the past year. So at least I think they did a good job of like setting the stage of like this whole angle coming together for this one show. I didn't mind it. it it's obviously still a little shit, but good stuff, I thought. Okay, let's go on to match number two. We have the Gobbledygooker versus Eddie's nephew. <laughs> Hector is shouting about being family, seeing the first few lines of We Are Family as he comes down to the ring. (laughs) Good, solid gimmick. Good, solid gimmick work, Hector. (laughs) The unlikely second team is Double J and Malenko. Uh, Malenko has insisted he's a loner, but there's strength in numbers. That is, um, again, solid gimmick work by Dean. Yep. A little contradictory there. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent opening exchange by Chavo and Dean. I wouldn't expect any less. Uh, The company team talks about how Eddie is kind of feuding with his family at the moment. And do they even consider him family? He's turned his back on the Guerreros. Hector, this is the first time I've actually ever seen Hector wrestle a full match. I've seen clips. Uh, I've seen some stuff later in TNA, but that doesn't doesn't count. But <laughs> he's much slower than Eddie and Chavo. Of course, he's older, but he's still very smooth. And he has an extremely pretty European uppercut that he hits a couple times. He actually reminds me a lot of modern day Cesaro in a lot of his move uh, set. Hmm. Interesting. Mm, He's been on a couple Nitros now, and uh, yeah, it's a shame that we don't get Eddie on this show, because Eddie's, since his heel turn, he's been a lot more enjoyable to watch, much more like current day Eddie, so it's really cool to see that. Uh, Hector's, yeah, he's been just a solid body just to kind of help out with this whole Guerrero family angle, so he's been playing a nice part. I think it's the only time we see him, too, so hey, good job, Hector. eerily similarly looking to Eddie as well. Yeah, at this yeah. age, it, it just looks nearly exactly like WWE Eddie, except smaller, to be honest. Smaller? Well, he's bigger, I would have thought. Uh, I think he's muscular. naturally bigger than, than Eddie. Yes, but I think he's less muscular, less toned. Sure, yeah, like. yeah. I, like, But he's a bi- he's a bigger dude, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought he was grand. Like his, You can tell like there's he's missing what Eddie has. Like He doesn't have that personality. But I, I, don't, I wouldn't doubt that he could wrestle. No, not at all. Hector is quickly isolated by the heel team. Chavo breaks up the momentum with a drop kick as Jarrett goes for a figure four just out of nowhere. Some amazing refing, keeping Chavo out of ring there. Milenko quickly gains control over Hector again and locks in the Texas Cloverleaf. Jarrett misses his cue to run in to block Chavo, so Chavo's left looking like a bit of a dope, just like standing in between the ropes waiting for Jarrett to hit his cue. But that's enough to put away a second squash match of the night. Second match, second squash match of the night. After the match, Jarrett does a strut, tries to get Malenko to strut, and like any reasonable human being, Malenko does not strut with Jarrett. <laughs> he looks on with shifty eyes. Yeah. He really does. Why the fuck does Jarrett's music play too? That, that really bothered me. Not only does it, well, his music sucks, but obviously <laughs> Dean won the match too, so. <laughs> poor Dean, poor Dean. Yeah, it's all right. I'm not really sure why Dean is, is doing any of this. and I, I mean, I guess he's getting TV time out of it. 
But, uh, sure. He's kind of feuding with Eddie. So that, that's the weird thing of why, why is he getting pulled in with the horseman and Jared? It, this doesn't make sense. I just wish they had better things for Dean right now. Yep. Yeah, they're kind of just stuck. They've moved on from him. The cruiserweight, I guess he could be in the TV title picture, but like that, that's barely gets any showing anyway. And he's just left with this kind of lingering, I hate people gimmick. And there's certain people he hates. And whenever they're around, he might wrestle them. And that's kind of boring. So what happens when your gimmick is basically no gimmick? After this, after, again, our second squash in the match of night, we get a quick video package of Road Wild. We get a couple of these through the night to kind of break things up. So one thing that the commentators keep repeating, and I have no idea what they mean by it because we've watched uh, Hog Wild at this stage, is uh, Road Wild Sturgis is going to be so adult, such an adult-themed pay-per-view. You're making it sound like a porno. And Gene is in the front row of the crowd where he talks to Raven. Do you think Raven gets free tickets or does he have to pay for each of these? I have to assume Stevie Richards is footing the bill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, from, from that's what it looks like. I mean, this has been like four weeks in a row we've been doing this. There's no way he's paying his own money. With 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 ECW money that he has? No, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he never got money in ECW. What are you talking about? <laughs> Raven refuses to get up and talk, but Stevie Richards is here to talk instead. Stevie has a contract and says last week there was a snag. They didn't get it signed, but he says he went to Atlanta for 14 days, which doesn't make sense because he said last week there was a snag. <laughs> Getting a new contract. That's the joke. Raven- <laughs> <laughs> he wants Raven to sign it and follow uh, Stevie Richards, the king of swing, to WCW. Raven spits in Richards' face and pushes him down. When he goes to punch him again, Richards blocks it and said Raven isn't going to abuse him anymore. Richards makes me chuckle. I don't know about you guys, but I think he's great. Except the King of Swing part, which he said like three times. Yeah, yeah. Can't nickname <laughs> Other than yourself, that, of course. Can't yeah. nickname yourself. His look is great. The, whatever is like cropped up t-shirt, that's just, yeah, it's brilliant. I'd say the worst part about this is that it's like they've jumped four months ahead of yep. a storyline. Why is he already getting in trouble with Raven? Why couldn't they just bring them in first and introduce them as characters? He's supposed to be a new guy. Surely you want to show him before he gets absolutely dunked on by his like boss, which is what appears to be going on. Yeah, but yeah, it's like you'd only be interested in this if you watched ECW before this. Yeah, a lot of it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I can imagine fans at this time going, well, he's kind of brooding, but who the fuck is this guy in a crop top? And why do I care? There's no Why does he keep calling Why? himself the King Swing? Does he dance? Yeah. 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 Give me some BWO promo packages. Come on. <laughs> if they did the BWO and WCW, that would be amazing. Oh, it would be so good. It's like they're going, you know what? We want to catch some of the ECW fans, so we'll just steal one of the storylines and see if people switch channel. But there's not that many people watching ECW. It isn't big enough to try and be stealing their customers, I feel. So yeah, certainly at this time. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's bizarre. When was the first time Raven shows up? Like a month ago? A month ago, yeah. yeah. And he hasn't wrestled yet? Nope. And neither has Stevie Richards? Nope. Oh boy. <laughs> I'm assuming that they've just done the exact, same, the exact same angle every single week. Rough, roughly. Yeah. Like. Except this time, Gene, like he does his like, what, I can't remember what he says, but he does his like announcer voice. Like, oh, he punched him. Yeah, <laughs> I, I dislike Gene talking about what's happening in the ring when he's there. He does it later on in the night and we'll talk about it. But his thing is when some when he's in an interview and then a punch is thrown or something happens, he has to commentate over it. Just let it happen. We have eyes, Gene. We have eyes. 
after after this, the company asks us uh, to send videos, postcards, etc., in for ideas for the nitro party. Yeah, I don't know what that entails, but we can even send in recipes. They tell us. I'm going to ask you what what would have you sent into the nitro party? Hmm. This is the nineties, huh? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be 90s. wearing my Oakleys for sure. Yeah. <laughs> my starter jacket's ready. Yeah. Hmm. Probably a Monday Night Raw tape. <laughs> oh hello blow well i was like i was like 12 now so yeah of course it's gonna be a low blow that's the only form of comedy i knew yeah sure i, I think i can uh, i can say they only got very savory sensible suggestions for their parties well we move on to match number three <laughs> I was about to say, uh, we, do you reckon the nitro party is just like the sold out pay-per-view except the wcw I think, version i think it's just uh mean gene's house I think he comes in in a Hugh Hefner kind of robe and just waits for guests that probably never show up. Sure. I think I think at some point they show the, the fans party at some point. Oh, wow. <laughs> Can't wait to hear about that. <laughs> oh, my God. Have you ever seen that meme of, like, the old computer and the nerd sitting in front of it with, like, the bottle glasses and the mustache? That's just mm-hmm. what I imagine, like, five, six Nitro girls and him using <laughs> his khakis in the corner. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's super stereotypical, but that's all I can imagine with this with this send in a videotape competition. Match number three. Giant is out for a classic Andre the Giant jobber squash. His victims don't even get entrances. All three men get manhandled, thrown on top of each other in the corner for a big splash, then three separate choke slams to pin all three of them. His dad would have been proud. <laughs> Did you catch all all the names? No, I didn't actually. Well, one of them is a is a future WCW champion. Really? Who is it? Yeah. Well, he's a tag team champion, but you know. <laughs> so one of them is is Lenny Lane, and he ends okay. up in, as part of Lodi and Lane. They end up as a tag team for oh, yeah. in like a year or two's time. So yeah, he shows yeah. up, and then the middle guy is Scott Demore, who is way more well known nowadays as being one of the running uh, one of the management for Impact Wrestling. So he is. Oh, yeah. good eye, Gus. Good eye. So I, I, I didn't catch the third one, and there was no way I was going to rewatch the match just to find out. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it would have taken you two minutes to. I, to I know it. it's, but no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we we have a policy of no rewatching. Goes goes to show that, like, even even if you're in stupid, silly squash matches like that, you can still make it later on. <laughs> well, a couple of years before this, we're looking at Foley getting his. Uh, jaw broken by the British Bulldogs. Yeah, take the squash matches, I guess. Macho Man is out straight after the match to say brother about a hundred times. Macho taunts Giant saying he's out of control and that he can't control the madness, but Macho can, and says that he doesn't want any of this not to leave the ring. Giant, of course, does leave the ring, which makes Macho flee. Video package about Lex wrecking idiots over very kind of Bash at the Beach-esque music. This is a pretty bad video package, I think, altogether with a very weird kind of effect. But yeah, just putting over Lex and all the racks he's put on idiots for the last couple of years. They do such a terrible job of putting over Lex, I think. Yeah. it's. uh, I mean, to be fair, I think it's kind of tough. I mean, that's kind of the problem with Luger, I think. It is, yeah, yeah. I I do agree on that. Um, I'll definitely talk about that more later, but yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, Dave, that's just his entrance music. I'm pretty sure that was over it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I love my note here, though. Lots of time wasting so far. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they do not know what to do with all these hours. Also, it's it's only two and a half hours without the odds. Oh, that makes it so much better. <laughs> yeah, if you go through the network for this, it's only like 
240 or something. Cause 223, I remember. 220, 223. I was watching it still. Because, <laughs> yeah, we, we, don't, we, don't get, we, we don't have to watch all the odds. So they've counted the odds in this three hours, and they're still they're running 10. As we go into match number four, high voltage, first showing of high voltage on the podcast. I have a little story about this. Apparently, that was going to be Matt Hardy's wrestling name. He sent a video to WCW with some of his stuff and his brother's stuff. And WCW took the name for a tag team. <laughs> really? Like, yeah, it was like High Voltage Matt Hardy or something was his name. He's done a video recently for WWF before he got injured uh, about him and Jeff essentially starting without training and just doing backyard wrestling, trying to give videos to people to get bookings and stuff. And this was one of them. And yeah, he was high voltage. And then all of a sudden, after the video was sent off at some stage, this tag team appeared. So let's give it to some roidy guys. Yeah, yeah. such a wrestling thing. That's a good thing. <laughs> Steal it. Yeah, have you ever, you ever watched Beyond the Mat where they're doing the try the dark match for the two guys? Yeah. And guys yeah. backstage are watching, like, oh, that's a good move. I'm going to use that. <laughs> I just walked <laughs> yeah. away. Hey, I'm, I'm seeing somebody do a figure four. I'm, I'm going to use that. Yeah. <laughs> Public Enemy is the second team out. Uh, honestly, forgot they were employed by the company, but they have uh, they lost the high voltage the previous week. I want to say kind of little mini uh, feud going on here. It it was like two months ago. This feud two came months ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm probably over exaggerating, but it it seems like a long time ago. They had like a couple weeks in a row. You know, the storyline was okay. It was like high voltage through the rookie team trying to get one over Public Enemy. Public Enemy, like, just, like, they had their victory on, like, pay-per-view or whatever, so they were kind of, like, you know, working their way up type of thing. But why are we doing this again? Both teams are so shitty. <laughs> it it's matter. terrible. Don't, don't even talk about it. <laughs> no. Well, the, the only comments I have on that is that High Voltage, unless they're purposely putting their gimmick as being rookies, they're very sloppy in the ring. It's stuff like Rage just jumps off the top rope with a flying bulldog to... I can't remember. I think it's grunge in the ring, but he's not the legal man. So just out of nowhere, he jumps off the top rope for a bulldog, and the ref is kind of like, dude, get out of the ring. <laughs> he's like, no, I'm the legal man now. Like, it's not how it works. Go tag. Shockingly, dude, a rare occasion the referee is actually paying attention. <laughs> yeah, it's super weird. This is a pretty normal match. They try and isolate, uh, they try and isolate Rocco. Grunge eventually gets the hot tag. They go for the table spot on the outside. That I think it's Grunge just eats the table. Back in the ring, high voltage go for double clothesline. There's a miss, and we get a roll up for a cheap win. High voltage attack afterwards, beating down with a broken half of the table. Mediocre. It was almost a squash match, but then it was stolen by Public Enemy, and they do it as if it's going to continue the feud. I'd hazard a guess it doesn't. I sure hope not, because I'm the one that has to watch the Nitros. And you're asking, well, I forgot these guys were employed. Like, well, if you're watching Nitros, you you would get remembered. Not every week, but every other week. Yeah. And In fairness, Public Enemy actually wrestled a fine basic match in this. They didn't really do anything wrong, but High oh, Voltage made it pretty unwatchable. It's high praise for me for Public Enemy. Yeah, high praise. For, like, <laughs> you know, like, all they had to do was a couple scoop slams and punches. I think I could throw that out if I got into a ring tomorrow. But, you know, <laughs> they didn't do them wrong. Uh, after another brief Road Wild video, the Nitro Girls are back out to dance in new outfits. Alex Wright comes out to dance with them, and the crowd do not enjoy that. Either do the commentators, who hate this more than they seem to hate the NWO. This is Cruiserweight <laughs> title, and of course we haven't seen it on the podcast, but he just beat Chris Jericho a couple weeks ago for the title. Isn't that right, Connor? Last week. Last week for the title. He is interviewed by Gene. But his English is very broken. It's really hard to kind of repeat what he's trying to say. The general sentiment is Chris Jericho's a kitty cat. 
he's German, you're all Americans, and that's why he's a heel. He's not heel. This, sorry, this is change in attitude, Dave. Yeah. Change in attitude. He's more aggressive. More aggressive. More aggressive and a very, very suspect salute to the crowd. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, I love mm-hmm. Gene saying, no, you can't speak German. Stop with the weirdness. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, it's so hokey. <laughs> I don't know why a crowd reacts well to that. The whole thing is that he is supposed to be kind of xenophobic and call Americans bad and stuff. But the reply to that is, hey, Americans aren't bad. The country you come from is bad. That mm, You're kind of missing the point of what's anyway. His opponent comes out for the match, and it's Scotty Riggs. Haven't seen Scotty Riggs in uh, a hot minute since his... Feud with Bagwell, I think that's the last time we saw him on the cast. Yeah. Yep. Fairly short match. I don't want to really call it a, a squash because Riggs gets in some offense. I think Riggs is a pretty decent wrestler. The closest he gets to ever coming to a win is the flying, uh, the double flying cross body collision for the two count. But Alex finishes pretty routinely with a top rope missile drop kick. And it sounds like we're trying to speed through the show, guys. But it's not. It's only a three-hour show. It's not actually that long. It's just all these matches are kind of two minutes long, and there's not much more to say about it. We've only just finished an hour uh, with this match. Okay. Yeah, as as a point, like obviously this match is complete throwaway and whatever. There's there's very little to it. But I I want to use this as an example to point out for anybody, any aspiring wrestlers for the future. This is how you do not get over as a wrestler. Both of these lads are perfectly fine, capable guys. And if they're able to connect with some form of gimmick or character, they might actually be useful. Instead, Alex Wright is wearing the blandest gear known to man. He doesn't look like a heel. He looks like white bread. He's made even worse by Scotty Riggs, who still looks like a stripper, despite the fact that he's meant to be some sort of baby face. They're just so out of touch with what's going on with wrestling at the time. And they don't separate themselves in any way. Like Scotty Riggs has suspenders on. Why would you cheer for somebody who wears suspenders or cross-stitching down the side of their tights? There's a reason these guys never made it properly. And you can see it from the way that they're treated and the way that they've chosen to portray themselves. And this is a perfect example of it. While I agree with you, Gus, I mean, you're you're totally right. You're 100% right. I, I actually kind of enjoyed Elks right for this segment. Oh, I mean, yeah, I, like, I, I mean, they're not that they're not capable, just... This is why <laughs> that they never really got where they could have. I, I, I enjoyed Alex for this as well. And they're both pretty decent wrestlers, and I'm sure if they're given a longer match, it's decent. The The problem with Riggs is, you know, he's no longer of use to the company as well because he hasn't changed gimmick or gear since his tag team. And while he certainly has some control over that, we've seen that before in companies where they break up a tag team and one wrestler is left with that tag team's music and clothing. You know, they're, you know they're not long for the world after that if they're not willing to update that. I mean, that's also on him. Like, oh yeah, he should have been pulling to do something about it. Now, maybe he did, and they just didn't give give a shit. Like, at, at a certain point, you have to do something about that. Clearly, it just didn't work. So yeah, and and I guess that's my point. At least Wright's trying to do. I mean, he's doing the yeah. same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Funny enough, but he's at least doing something slightly different than his bland babyface uh, approach. So I guess that's why it's a little more entertaining. Obviously, in probably like a month, it'll be really old by then. Yeah, but I, I don't mind watching little Alex right for now. Hopefully Jericho beats him quickly at the pay-per-view. Gene, Gene interviews Lex on the ramp, asks him about his thoughts about the title match versus Hogan tonight. He says he'll give the devil his due that Hogan helped make wrestling what it is today, but he guarantees that he'll put Hogan in the rack and win the title. A bit more is said, but it's a pretty, uh, pretty just normal Lex interview. Absolutely fine. Nothing wrong with it. I, I also realize why I don't like Lex as much as other people. Why not? He, do, he doesn't have merch. 
he fails mm. the test. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff like that. He doesn't have good merch. I think his finish is an abomination, but that, that hasn't stopped other terrible wrestlers. Hogan is the biggest draw in this company at the moment. I actually like the rack. It's just fine. I think <laughs> the rack's fine. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what your problem is with it. I think it looks not. Na- we'll, we'll discuss this more in the match, but I think it looks so naff. It looks so naff, but we'll, we'll go mm-hmm. to this later. Mm. My one note for this promo that really bothered me is uh, Gene mentioned that the uh, Detroit crowd, this is in uh, Detroit, they brought home the cup and uh, it's just bad memories of, this is like the downfall of the Blackhawks right now. So I'm like, (laughs) oh, bad memories of the Blackhawks, like not making the playoffs for like 10 years and the Red Wings Wings winning every year. Constantly at the time, yeah. I remember I was watching back then. We are going into the second error of this uh, Nitro, and Brain is out to replace uh, Zabisco. Bit of a change of pace, but the, commentator, the, the commentators have been pretty anemic for the first, uh, geez, five matches already. No time to spare. We go into Six versus Benoit on paper. Very exciting match. Pay-per-view match. Yeah, I'm surprised yeah. that they use this on Nitro. It's just a random match. Yeah, it's, it's really something uh, I was looking forward to when I saw this Nitro. Benoit comes out and there's no sign he's a horseman besides the four in his tights anymore. Just not throwing up the symbols, none of the other horsemen out with him. At least six looks like he belongs to the NWO. Distinct music, throwing up the two sweets all the time. Some good opening exchanges, kicks by six. And a sweet, very fast suicide dive that the camera almost misses by Chris. A very dangerous one. Yeah, a very dangerous one. Six is a Bronco Buster to Benoit while he's in the Tree of Woe. Which looks really strange. Does he ever do this again? I've never seen him do this. I've never seen him do it. Dick to dick action there. I did want to avoid saying it, but it, it is really weird. <laughs> you have to bring it up. I mean, come on. Yeah. yeah. I guess he only came up with the Bronco Buster a while before this or whatever. So he's just trying variations of it. But this, I'm glad <laughs> this didn't catch on. Yeah, I mean, if anybody's going to go, sure, Chris is. Uh. Benoit's like, I'm used to wrestling Sullivan, so we'll try and incorporate <laughs> yeah. this, I guess. This is the first Benoit match in a while we haven't seen against someone like so, you know. It feels so this. good, right? <laughs> Six gets caught up in the top rope when he flies at Benoit into the corner. Benoit goes to finish the match with a big back suplex, but Jarrett jumps into the ring and hits Benoit from behind, causing Six to hit his chest against the ring post. And then take a nasty spill to the outside, which includes him hitting the stairs. That looked awful. That looked really painful. I was at this point. I was just pissed because I wanted to see the rest of the match. And yep, yeah, it gets caught cut horribly short by this interference by our least favorite wrestler on the cast. Mongo is out to defend <laughs> Chris, and they beat on Jared. But Milango runs out to help his new partner. The Horsemen stand tall at the end of the beatdown after a big slam from Mongo onto Jared. It's like that sidewalk slammy kind of thing he does. I think it's his finish. One of the biggest pops sure. I've ever heard from Mongo. <laughs> yeah, I was actually surprised that, as yeah. I mentioned, it, we're in Detroit. and Especially yeah, being in Detroit, yeah. That's yeah. Just, I was very surprised by that. I was. I always thought more worse of Mongo. Now, I don't think he's great, but my expectations were so low because he gets made fun of as a horseman the whole time. I think he's actually fine. He's doing a fine job over the last couple months. Yeah, he's definitely a guy that excels more on Nitro than pay-per-views because he just mm-hmm. doesn't have to wrestle that much, and you can just do the, his short his promos and yeah. make yeah make yeah. a run make a run in, do his big power moves, and then I'm out. Yeah, he is athletic and he is charismatic, and that's all you kind of need in these kind of shows. Like Connor already mentioned, why is this not on pay-per-view? This is like a really really good match, and they just gave it away. It could have been for the cruiserweight title at some stage or something. But it's just like we're just like you just threw away like a perfectly marquee matchup at the start of hour two, no build up, no nothing really, 
and you also like gave them like two minutes. For shows like this, I really like the Japanese formula of having these two face each other, but have it in like a three-man tag situation or, or some kind of situation which allows them to interact but barely. They do that in Japan a lot so they can save pay-per-view matches and I'm just surprised it doesn't happen more. It happens a decent amount in WWF at the stage as well, if I remember correctly. So, but that's because there's a lot of small stables over there preventing like... You say this factions. like They're the factions, two people Dave. aren't in factions. <laughs> yeah, but that, that's what I mean. I don't know. They're in the Horsemen and the NWO. Why can't you just have two NWO plebs with... Like, just so many people in the NWO. Why aren't there just two of them out there with six? Or why is it a non-match? I have, I have to apologize because this is like slightly... There is a slight reason for him wrestling Benoit, sorry, because he's wrestling Ric Flair at the the pay-per-view, but still. Yeah, so yes, they're on the Horseman Gauntlet. Yeah. Next, we have our sixth match of the night. Is that sixth or seventh? Actually, our seventh, I misnumbered them. Six just wrestled, what are you talking about? Yeah, it's our our seventh match of the night. I actually misnumbered, so there's one more match in the night than I thought there was. And we have our first Vincent match. He gets the W and uh, he gets the Jobber NWO music because, of course, he does. <laughs> he better. Oh yeah. <laughs> Booker T is accompanied by Stevie Ray, but with no Sherry this time. While Booker is giving his hat to Stevie, Vincent attacks from behind, and that's about all the offense he gets in. Quick reversal into a head scissors by uh, Booker. Virgil, Vincent, sorry, not Virgil. Vincent <laughs> has his has his head sticking out the wrong way, but Booker manages to change halfway through his jump to still hit him. I thought that was kind of impressive. Vincent tries to bail, but is clotheslined super hard by Stevie Ray and sent back into the inside. Harlem sidekick by Booker for the three count. Harlem, he'd do a bit of a beat down afterwards and just throw him out of the ring like he is nothing. Poor Vincent. <laughs> I guess at least he gets a, pay- a Poor paycheck nothing, for like. Dude's getting paid to do nothing. Like <laughs> <laughs> this, this was his first Nitro match. He had a few matches on Saturday night. This is his yeah. first match. He's been in the company for almost a year now. Yeah. Why sign? <laughs> like, why did he sign? Because <laughs> he clearly is like knows somebody and has some sort of dirt. Like, and they've gone, okay, we'll take you on for this much money. And he's like, cool. <laughs> and he probably does fuck all all the time. He gets to show up in promos in the background and look like a complete idiot. Yeah, I guess he gets paid every time that happens. Likely, yeah. So yeah. It's, it's remarkable. The The only other match we'll cover for, of Vincent is going to be Starcade 97. I do not understand how he could be on Starcade, but <laughs> sure. But that's his only pay-per-view match. I can't right. wait for that one. Pretty confident he's going to lose that match too somehow. <laughs> I think it's like a, it, it's, it's kind of what Dave has been harping for. I'm pretty sure it's like a three man tag match where he's just lumped in for some reason. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. Like you have all these NWO goons. You should be protecting singles matches by having them eat pins. Like, why isn't Vincent just eating the pin in the X-Pac match, you know? Sure. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so quick aside, do you guys do you guys like Harlem Heat without Sister Sherry? Yeah, they're super charismatic. I don't like or dislike them because I think Sister Sherry is great, but they don't need her. They're pretty charismatic dudes without her. Yeah, I, th- I think it's a good step forward. Yeah, I don't think it really changes them, yeah. It, do- it definitely doesn't make them worse anyway. Nope. No, th- these aren't guys that needed a mouthpiece. So Sherry's fantastic at her job and has been at multiple points in the history of wrestling, but definitely not needed. No. My only beef with this, I just wish they made it more clear. Are, are they more heel or are they actually turning face? Cause every time it's like the crowd's getting behind them every time, but then they like take a step back and be more heel. It's like, if you want to be tweeners, fine, but don't like one week, be one step of the spectrum. And then next week be the other side. So that that's my only beef with this tag team. It's just been kind of weird. 
it does seem they're just kind of keeping, and I think this is a symptom of the NWO because you have this massive heel faction. You need everyone to be able to be faced whenever you need them to be for this match, for example. But also you can't just have them all be faces to face the heel faction because then when they face off against each other, someone needs to be heel or face. So there's so many tweeners on the card at the moment because of this. And yeah, I think it's kind of messy. I think it's kind of stupid and it prohibits people from getting over. It's thrown to me and Gene again on the ramp to talk to DDP. Gets a nice big pop. He puts over himself. He puts over Flair saying they've never had a problem. They're on the same page about all their enemies, except now Flair is trying to get Hennig and he hates Hennig. So now there's a conflict. He sees what Hennig is trying to do, tire him out for the pay-per-view, get the horsemen involved. But he says Flair might have his respect, but he has Flair's number. DDP's great. I do love that uh, DDP pushes the cameraman back. Yeah. He has, he has such a long arms. He just stretches out and kind of does it with one finger. I think it's pretty funny. But decent decent run-of-the-mill promo by DDP. I don't think anything special, but does, does put over the match and his feud at the same time. A+. Plus. Match 8 of the night. Barbarian makes his entrance during no talk of the Dungeon of Doom. Thank God. The last time we've <laughs> had to hear from them. And Vandenberg comes out for his second time of the night with Rat. Like many of the previous matches, this is a squash. Rat is made look like a bit of a monster. Barbarian actually selling and staying down for him. Barbarian gets a couple of his different spots in, including cuddling in the corner, is eventually put away when he misses a big boot, hits a snap power slam. He goes for a diving headbutt, but Rat catches him in the death penalty, which is just a subpar rock bottom, I guess. I mean, he is rock bottoming a very large dude. Like, yeah, he, he it's like a rock bottom, except you wrap both arms for people who don't want to actually go look up the death penalty finisher. Man comes out to protect his boy, Barbarian. The crowd chant Haku. I don't know if you picked this up. They were chanting no, Haku. Missed that. Vandenberg tells Rat, not now, not this time, until he's the ring. Not sure, since he just squashed his friend in two seconds. I probably would have taken out Haku, but not now, apparently. It's not the time. Pretty sloppy match. I, I, at this point, I'm getting just like exhausted by the pace and the amount of times we've seen gene and the nitro girls it's just like man i'm like a zombie now <laughs> it, just it all starts to blend into one doesn't it mm-hmm. there's just people in the ring and then there's gene and then there's the nitro girls rinses and repeats for like an hour and a half i want to say with this match it was sloppy but barbarian looks so much better than the majority of the wrestlers on the card i think that's fu- i think it's really funny i i would happily watch the two of those lads wrestle for like longer than two minutes because they're two big white dudes baiting the shite out of each other <laughs> yeah his snap power slam was impressive like yeah. randy orton style agility to barbarian the barbarians power slam and lots of big agile moves D- these guys are a bit ahead of their time they're just not they're not very wanted by the upper card i think after the match gene is in the ring and he intros the steiners steinerize guys steinerize Huge reaction from the crowd, and they bring out Ted DiBiase. Rick shouts into the mic, we got him. (laughs) Super good promo by Ted. Ted's always been a good promo guy, though. Explains that he couldn't see the forest from the trees when he was in the NWO, that his dad died, and he believed in honor and tradition, and the NWO don't stand for that. Dad died, sorry, in the ring. He's going to tear down what he helped create, starting with the tag titles, Hall and Nash. Hall and Nash come out to this. Ah, you, you forgot you he, he missed his flub. Did you miss that? With, oh, at the end where Gene had to like restart him. Well, what he called the tag belts. <laughs> he was going to call it heavyweight t- a title. He right? said the world wrestling. Uh, just yeah. kind of 
fades off for a while. <laughs> it's like, shit, can't call them that. <laughs> That's no, a completely different that. co- company. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I missed that, actually. Yeah. Uh, yeah, besides that stutter at the end, which Gene has to, like, correct them, pretty decent promo from uh, Ted, some kind of tugging at the heartstrings with his dad that died in the ring. Uh, did that actually happen? Did his dad die in the ring? Did anyone check yeah, this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. His dad that's, died in like the 70s or 80s in the ring. Iron Mike was his name, anyway, from what that's I remember. Re- that's real sad. That sounded sarcastic, but that's actually genuine. That's like super tragic. Oh, no, yeah, his, his dad genuinely did die in the ring. Yeah. yeah, and just his life in general, like in, in real life, past couple of years, it had been really tough with him, his drug addiction and things like that. Yeah. He's finally cleaning his life back up. Yeah, this is around the time. Yeah, it, we, we wanted to be around so much more, but like he wanted to be with his kids and stuff, and that's kind of why he joined WCW. So, And honestly, I can't remember the last time he's even been on the show. I, I don't know what you guys really think about this shocking turn here. This, to me, was very much of a letdown. Yeah, it's nothing. It's complete letdown for what they keep harping on about. Like It's, it's nothing in storyline. I will say the Steiners are awful at promos, and I really like that they have such a good manager now. I don't know how long that lasts, but Ted is like perfect for this role for them. I don't know. They're still mega over without being able to talk, so I'm not sure if they even need it, but it seems like a good fit besides it not actually mattering for the storyline because Ted hasn't been around. Hall and Ash come out to tell Ted when they say NWO for life, they mean it, and if he teams with the Steiner, he Steiners, he's a dead man. Ted says he knows them better than anyone else, and Nash lets Ted know that the Steiners have only had him around so he can read their menus when they're on the road. So mm-hmm. I don't know if that was a eating a lot joke or a literacy joke or both. <laughs> Being old? Being old? I'm not, I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I, I do like them uh, always calling them the Einsteiners. Continuity. They always call them that. So yeah, continuity. <laughs> continuity. There's such oh, there's such juvenile jokes the NWO hotels. No wonder they got so over with it teenagers. Works, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Next, we get the Nitro girls dancing and more terribly, terribly cringy comments. Is this the one that's at the desk? No, that's the next one. That's the next one. Okay, I'm pretty, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's the next one or the one. It's after. hard to tell which Nitro this. Girls segment. Dave yeah. just was reading a line. I'm like, I don't know where we are on the show. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're again, they're all blended into one. They've done another outfit change, but it's identical to the first one, but with a different dance and different pervy comments. Sure. <laughs> uh, we get a graphic showing Lee Marshall is on the road to Denver. Oh God! Oh, you guys, you guys don't get to see these every week. These are they're something. There are so many bad puns and jokes that he tries to make. <laughs> he also then just gives us a bunch of facts about Denver. And that's what I want then on my wrestling shows. Denver facts. Excellent. Why does Lee Marshall currently have a, a job? It's what I call, I've, it's something I fast forward every time. The, the point of it is that he's at wherever Nitro is next week, right? That's why they're doing yeah. it? Okay. I think so, yeah. Just so clear in my head. I hope so. Because Lee Marshall is doing the scouting for everybody. <laughs> yeah, well, t- typical WCW, they do just like the least out of the segment. They, they have like this shitty graphic with like a grin of like Lee Marshall talking. Show us something. Show yeah. come, Like it's so bad. And he always makes a stupid weasel pun every week. That is just <laughs> awful. <laughs> like if you're going to take the piss out of it, like or take the piss out of him, like have him do stupid shit in, in wherever they're going. Yeah. Like have some pictures of him dressed up awfully and like having to be a mascot or something, anything like but anything yeah. at this time, you know, th- this is the time you don't want 
the audience to change their own channel. And like this segment is always like, I'm always going to change the channel. Let's hit him with the big guns, guys. Yeah. <laughs> get, get Lee Marshall out. Into, why isn't this in the first hour? Get Lee on the phone. The, they structured these shows, and it's one of the reasons they bring out brain, I suppose. So the second hour is very attractive. You want people to finish on your show so you can spike the ratings overall. Why cart out Lee Marshall's thing on the second hour? Because he has to make that weasel pun. He has to. Make. <laughs> it has to happen. It's contractually <laughs> obligated. <it's> like. Yeah. <laughs> Match number nine. Psychosis gets some uh, gets some pyro while he takes his selfie with uh, Sonny Ono. Conan gets the jobber NWO music. Bom, bom, bom. But is officially in the NWO now. We, we got to talk about that. Yeah, he's officially in the NWO. And he's they actually call him K-Dog now. Oh. We were joking about it on the previous oh. episode, but for some reason, I did not think they were going to call him K-Dog like this early. Gets so over. Such an over name. Well, I, yeah, Dave, I mean, he is over. There's, I saw a couple of Rebuild Rasta signs. Yeah. <laughs> it just does fit his gang persona better, right? Oh, he's, way better he's than the dungeon. Gang. Oh, my God. Yeah, than, than the dungeon. The, basically, a and d team with Conan just on the side. <laughs> now he's in an actual... Like or did he spot water everywhere there? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, just thinking of Colin trying to play D and D. Like, <laughs> I'll hit it with my axe. I'll hit it with my sword. I'll do a rolling clothesline. You failed. You never. You never succeed to hit your rolling clothesline. <laughs> Conan is super aggressive from the get go here, hitting his rolling clothesline and his drop kick after snapmare. Psychosis gets in some offense, but it is some of the botchiest offense of this entire show, and that's saying a lot. A top rope spinning leg kick is really slow and doesn't get enough like torque to it. And then the springboard, what looks like it was going for like an acai moonsault to the inside, didn't quite get there. Psychosis tries to leapfrog Conan, but Conan catches him and hits a brain buster. Conan then slaps onto the Kila Sunrise, and that's the match. Still the worst finisher I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Doesn't look like he's doing anything. Ray is out immediately with wooden crutches. I wonder what's going to happen to one of these crutches. <laughs> when he gets into the ring, Conan teases him. I that actually. That's, that's a good yeah. tell, yeah. <laughs> Conan teases him and kicks away one of the crutches, keeping his foot on it so Ray can't pick it up. And, but Ray was faking and he lays out Conan, breaking one of the wooden crutches over his back and helping Psychosis out. So uh, nice. He talks into the to the camera and we see why Ray should never be allowed to talk. He butchers every bit of it. Uh. <laughs> and Ray Mysterio Jr. pulled He's one nothing but Rasa. on Conan. He, Rasa, he broke tradition. Remember Conan? You call yourself K-Dog? Well, you're going to see what I call myself. Watch you find out. I just want to give Ray a hug. I'm like, dude, stop. Yeah. Just, <laughs> You're so talented. Just stop. Just look at the over. ring. Don't worry about anything else. Like. <laughs> it, it's, it's super bizarre. It's like all of these guys have an initial concept for their promo. And instead of fleshing it out, they're like, what's my concept? Oh, he has a nickname I don't like. Okay, let's just run with that. Just do the, do the two minutes of promo or the minute of promo in your head before you hit the ring. It's not that hard. <laughs> you know, It's super weird. Yeah, you, you say that, Dave. I, this has to be one of those matches where it was just like they're scrambling backstage. Like, we need something. All right, send this like random match here. And we just need to get to the after match like segment quickly. Just do whatever you guys want to do. Just make sure it's quick. Yeah. 
odd heel versus heel matchup too. Yeah, and it's odd the job psychosis out too. And then the heel being saved by a face because he kind of checks on him as well. (laughs) Yeah, he like picks him up and pats him or whatever. Yeah, I actually like that. So the past couple weeks, like it's kind of the same thing with Eddie though, which is kind of stupid. But it's this whole oh you're turning your back on Mexico and Conan's like well I brought everybody in type of thing, so you should give me the respect or whatever. So the kind of the 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 other luchas are kind of teaming up against Conan. They're pissed at him. Fair, fair. I do like that. The second psychosis taps, like the very second cameras on Ray walking out. Like they they have have precise timings here. Before the match is over, Ray is essentially already walking out to beat up Conan. He's like, ah, psychosis is kind of shit. He's not getting out of this. Let's go. Time to walk. (laughs) Tenth match of the night. Damien and Silver King are the first team out. I think this. Is both their first appearances on the podcast? Who knows? Lucha Libre filler team, we'll call them. Yeah. I want to say we might have had Damien before, but I'm not 100% sure. I was going to say I thought we had Silver King, but whatever. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> <laughs> Second team out of the super Mortal Kombat team of Glacier and his karate pal, Ernest Cat Miller. They both come out to Glacier's entrance, which I appreciate. If you're a tag team, I think it's nice to have the same entrance and they do karate move poses in the ring tandem ones it's super scary i wish that was their tag team name the karate pals <laughs> karate pals yeah God. please let's get past this can we, yeah can we not talk about this match yeah. this is just glacier and ernest miller win because they are actual characters in the in the company <laughs> uh the other guy's a king a silver <laughs> king that's a gimmick <laughs> Basically, this whole match is every now and again, the Luchas get some double team attempts off on Glacier and Miller, but each time they outsmart them or outpower them. And in Glacier's uh, case, sometimes just no seldom for the win. The win is Miller doing a weird spinny kick off the top that I can't really describe. It's a squash. It's a roundhouse kick off the top rope, basically. But he's like facing front ways and then he just yeah. all of a sudden jumps. And then he spins right. so he can do and the spins. roundhouse. Yeah, guy had the spin in there. The yeah. problem with this match, I thought too, is King and Damien. They they're not up to the task of carrying Miller to look good. Miller just looks like crap in this match. Miller's cues are very off, so his moves look fine. But they're trying to they're trying to make him look good by giving them like a body part at a time. So one of them will step up and give them give him a target to kick, but he'll hesitate and not sure when to do it. Or one of them will you know give him his back to like pick them up and do a move. But he just doesn't take it because he doesn't know. So there's multiple times where both of them are kind of waiting for him to get, do the obvious move that they're presenting him, and he doesn't take it. He's just standing there waiting for them to stand up so he can do another kick. And they're waiting for other moves that aren't that one kick. This is why we told WCW this is why they need to wrestle different guys <laughs> so they can learn how to wrestle different guys. Yeah, they. Mm, he kind of just needs to not be in the ring for more than two seconds. No, no obviously, yeah. Whatever, he's miles away from being in the ring. Yeah, he, he got tagged in like three or four times to do some offense. Honestly, he should have been like a hot tag once and a match should have ended. So I think a poorly structured match if you're going to have a guy like Cat in there. NWO music hits and Bish is out for the second time in the night, blowing kisses and bowing. He tells the crowd that he loves them down to the marrow in his bones, which is not an expression that I've heard to express love before, but there you go. It's deep love though. It's, that's pretty deep love. It is. It is. But his expressions are terrible. He uses the dumb as a brick earlier on, too, which is our, our podcast favorite. 
<laughs> yeah, he, he really doesn't know how to turn a phrase. But getting bone marrow removed hurts. So it's probably that's probably pretty deep love, is what I suspect. Okay. It's like it's really stuck in there. All right, I'm starting to turn on this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he says he does hate some people though. He says two people, no tree. Uh, the giant and Larry Zabisco uh for attacking the NWO in this callous way. Hypocrite, you hypocrite. Uh, bish though I, I guess that's the point he calls out jj dylan calls him fat and asks him to come down to the ring that's probably the best way to get someone to come down to the ring <laughs> jj doesn't know where to stand for the hard cam so his back is turned at the start of the promo to the hard cam with his arms crossed which kind of looks weird bish reminds J- dylan that if the giant touches him at all he will sue him and his children i'm not sure that's how that lawsuit would work but that's okay he then threatens Larry Zabisco to kick him right in between the eyes if he touches him again, which Dylan just laughs off and says, I think Larry heard that and I don't need to tell it to him. It's really weird that we're building up having JJ come out for this big announcement to have him come out now, right? Yeah, this whole this whole segment is just a pointless yeah, waste of time. It's nothing to do with anything. Like I know it's following on from another Nitro or whatever, but why didn't he t- do it at the start of the show? Correct. Yeah. Or if... If he had to be in the second era, why didn't him and Hogan start off era two then? <laughs> like, just I don't even mind him coming out again. Why call out someone that has the one of the most important parts of the show later? The first time we should see JJ is him talking about the important Sting controversy. Like, right. Bish could just be backstage. He doesn't even have to come out and just say, you know, fuck you, giant. Larry, I'm going to kick your ass. I hate you all. Bye. Like, that takes two seconds backstage. That's a real big difference, actually, I've noticed uh, watching this Nitro. Um, I don't know if WWF is more responsible for championing at first and then they kind of follow. There's literally nothing backstage. Like, everything is out in front of the crowd. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Yeah. Like, the only time they do backstage stuff is like, oh, NWO pull up in the limo. That's yeah. it. That's like all they do. Yeah. Only pre-taped, like very pre-taped stuff. As right, well, they, they used to do the pre-taped stuff for the pay-per-views. They stopped that, though. So yeah, Gus is yeah. Gus is dead on with that assessment. It's really staged, like because everybody has to come out for a promo and everybody has to do this. It ruins the kind of like natural quality of like somebody getting mad or angry or wanting to break break in on something or whatever. Yeah, it, there's there's even complaints about uh, about the modern kind of content, too much stuff in the ring, and it's like too sanitary and too staged, and it comes off incredibly so here. Also, at least you know I don't like long promo segments that are ten minutes plus. But at least it stops people from coming out multiple times. Yeah, I, this is just weird. This is just unnecessary. There's so many better ways they could have done this. They could have even had Bish interrupt Dylan later to add mm-hmm. to the kind of menace of that situation. Yeah. This isn't a lot of the stuff we look back on and, you know, it's of its era and, you know, it's hard to say they should have changed stuff and it's easy with hindsight. This is just a really bad structuring to any show from any era of wrestling. Well, it comes apparent that WCW is just really bad at like world building as well. That kind of like what yeah. speaks to what, what Gus is saying. Kind of there's like no backstage stuff. J.D. Dillon is supposed to be this kind of authority figure, but he's just kind of this weird guy that comes out sometimes. Mm. It's really weird. Yeah, he doesn't seem very established. No, he doesn't. It's supposed to mean something when he comes out. So, yeah, I don't like him coming out two times here because he's supposed to be this kind of I'm going to put the hammer down type of type of thing. And it's it, it really isn't. Yeah, he should be more like, um, what's his name, uh, Tony from really early WWF days, where he's only coming out when something big happens, and then you get that response 
when he comes out, you know big stuff is going to happen, but you've completely devalued him with this. He's just Bischoff's little bitch. You just <laughs> call him fat. He came out when you called him fat. You shouted at him to go tell other people stuff, and you just took it and walked away. It makes him look like he has no authority over the company at all, so why bother having him as a character? Well, he did get the title match for Luger, so... Apparently, the attorneys did as well, though, right? They went behind oh, the yeah, attorneys' right, backs. Fuck, fuck Dylan, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's doing nothing. Yeah, we could talk about their uh, early character assassination all night, but we'll go on to match number 11. Yes, you've heard it. Number 11. And this is another big one on paper. Flair versus DDP. DDP is accompanied by Kimberly, who we just see throwing up the the diamond cutter sign in the air. She, she's absolutely loving it. She just stays at the top of the stage. I thought she was a Nitro girl at first. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> I thought it was just a random Nitro girl this time. I was like, oh no, that's Kimberly. All right, okay. Yeah, maybe they're ribbing a Nitro girl. They've only told one of them to go out and dance. <laughs> no, he rips, off, uh, rips up a fan sign. He kind of snatches it as he goes by. You know, classic face stuff by DDP. <laughs> Rick, Rick comes out, and after a couple seconds, a bit of pyro, Hennig follows just to shake his hand. And then go to the back. What the fuck was that? <laughs> so what was that? <laughs> this is a three-hour show, and nowhere on that three-hour show they couldn't have had an interview with Rick where Hennig comes out and shakes his hand and doesn't say anything. It has to be at the start of Rick's entrance for him just to leave. After some early, you know, good selling by Flair, Flair looks in trouble. DDP gets to sit-out powerbomb. And Hennig just comes back out. This is like a minute into the match. So why did he ever go backstage? Why did he not stay out with Rick? Mind games, Dave. Mind games. <laughs> yeah, that's what the, the commentary team are like. It's all mind games. <laughs> what mind games? That doesn't mean anything. In the middle of this match, we also get a commercial oh, break for NWO t-shirts for life. At the reasonable cost of 20 bucks a pop and then five They bucks. know what's up with their merch. Literally, they... Yep jammed four letters onto it and gone it's a totally different shirt uh, <laughs> also they get to do it in someone else's match just yeah. merch selling all over the place hey, this is this is not the most egregious uh commercial break on the show so <laughs> oh no we'll get to that one <laughs> this a lot of this is just flair making ddp look good after a bit of interference from hennig getting up on the apron flair gets his momentum back targets the leg goes for the figure four and refuses the classic, and I do love this, I'm not saying it sarcastically, but refuses to let go to the four count. One of my new favorite wrestling things is uh, wrestlers shouting at the ref, I have till four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good. up there with Ask Him. Yeah, both, yeah. both of those are great. Ask Him. Ask Him. <laughs> Flair tries to suplex um, DDP to the outside. Commentators tell him he's trying to suplex him into the crowd. I'm not sure that's what's happening there's a pretty big gap there it's a lunatic thing for Flair to try (laughs) (laughs) it gets reversed back into ring and DDP locks on the figure four because it's a Flair match and everyone has to do figure four (laughs) in a Flair match this was a pretty cool combination Flair pokes the ref in the eye I'm not sure how he doesn't get DQ'd on the spot while in the submission Hennig tries to run in but gets rolled up by DDP while DDP still holds on the figure four Hennig then just kind of rolls out of the ring and throws a tantrum while DDP just still has the submission on, and the ref uh, regains um, regains vision. When Flair is in trouble and DDP signals for the cutter after Flair gets the rope break from the figure four, Henny just runs in and tries to attack DDP with some brass knuckles, I assume. This leads to a deep cue uh, victory, but the ref has to call for the bell like seven or eight times. 
the per- whoever's whoever's ringing the bell is just not paying attention. Fired. Fired. <laughs> yeah, get get out. You have one job. They're just too busy with the Nitro Girls, probably. You know, like. yeah. He's like, what? You you gave away this match on pay-per-view, and it was only two seconds long? Come on, guys. One of these matches had to be real. He gets to chase off both men, even refusing to use uh, brass knucks, just nonchalantly throwing it over to the referee. Yeah, Paige gets to stand pretty strong here uh, without getting a clean win over Flair. So if you're going to book this kind of match, at least, I guess, have it as a non-finish and still have DDP going strong. Kind of hate the end a little bit. Well, I just yeah. it, the match itself makes no sense. But a lot of flare matches I've noticed in this era just make absolutely no sense. I, it's more that just DDP looks like a complete goon, like really stupid. Like, why would you throw away the knuckles? <laughs> I don't, I don't yeah, you're the face. Like, you can you can get away with using him. It's two on one right here. I know he still triumphs anyway. But yeah, at least like, he wins the beatdown. I guess I'm I'm not sure what the goal of this match is. Besides, have an iconic sounding match, but don't give away an ending until a pay-per-view. It's the same thing with Benoit versus Six. It's, oh, DDP is wrestling Flair because he's wrestling Hennig. I think it's fine to have a couple big... We were complaining about the pay-per-views. I've said it a lot. I think it's fine to have a couple big matches on this, but if you're going to have a couple big matches, some of them have to go to a finish. Like you have three hours of TV to cover here, and you're covering one of the biggest events of all time. Some of them have to actually be matches, and none of them have actually been matches yet. We're going into our 12th match next, and not one of these has actually been Oof. a match. Before we get there, DDP is incredibly over here. Super over. Seriously. Like, massively over. There's such a difference between him and like some of the other people earlier on the show. Like People are paying to see DDP. Yeah, him, Sting, and Lex are the only, I think, dependable faces. We'll talk a bit more about that after the main event. But they're the only ones getting like real reactions, I think, anymore. And I think it's genuinely earned with DDP. Like I'm yeah. genuinely still enjoying him, yeah. just watching back at him. Like the other guys, like Luger. I'm like, why is the crowd enjoying Luger this much? He's okay, mm. but sure. The DDP is like, yeah, I can see why g- people are getting behind this guy. They're definitely setting up to bigger things with him, as we'll see later. But at least they're having him beat big names like Macho and stuff, and have feuds with people like Macho and. Flair and they trust him with Hennig as he's coming into the company who, you know, again, on paper, that should be really great. So at least he's not kind of, there's other people we think are decent that are kind of getting buried or not getting chances. And DDP isn't that person at the moment. Match 12. And after that, you know, big names of Flair and DDP and Hennig, who do you think is in match number 12? <laughs> fit for fit for the main, semi-main event. Number four, number five, get out there. Milano (laughs) number four and five, the brothers against Lismark Jr. and Hector Garza. We saw all of these in a big six-way lucha match in our last podcast. You cannot tell the Villanos apart, and if you can, you're some kind of maniac. I have no idea. They have no distinguishing features. They're nearly the exact same size as well. It's on, the, it's on the tights, Dave. Oh, no. Yeah, the tights. Look at the tights. <laughs> like the same person. We did it, Gus. We got him. We got him, yeah. <laughs> yes. This is a super weird spot in the card, all joking aside. I get why it's here. They don't want people to be burnt out after a DDP victory, and they'd like people to settle down for the big main event. But we won't talk about it too much. But this is an actual competitive match between the Luchadors, and it's quite a good match. I feel like you could have just had a squash match here instead. Or another interview with someone. I don't think whoever was booking this was being worried about the crowd being burnt out with the amount of matches, Dave. That's also I'd love to agree with you in that like they just threw them out, but I don't think there was any consideration really. 
they're just trying to jam everything into the show. Yeah, I'm wondering if it was like they got to this point in the show and they look at their look at their watches. Oh, we got to fill this much more time. Yeah, we'll send these guys out there to have a match. I, I I wouldn't be surprised if that wasn't it. I could believe either scenario there. Like but that's what it feels like. Are they obliged to use the Mexicans a certain amount as well? Yeah, could be. Is that maybe coming into play? Because there is an awful lot of a me- of Mexican wrestlers on this show that really don't matter to be kind of blunt yep, about it for sure. And they're still on it. Tanae has an obligation to mark out over the corkscrew plancha. They <laughs> just loves it. He has way more pull. He than always, he's like, I need to see, I need to see uh, Garza. What? I need my corkscrew. God damn it. Get him out of here. I'd love to say that this match is great or whatever, but I was just, I'm just wrecked at this point by watching the show. So I totally switched off. Yeah. The crowd too. They're, they're very quieted down. It's a fine match. I think Lismark, I'm surprised Lismark and um, Garza didn't go on to have bigger careers. I think a lot of what they're doing in these small matches, you can kind of see in today's high flyers, a lot of the same moves, a lot of the same kind of rhythm. I think one of them ends up being big in Mexico and the other just kind of is in and out when we checked it last time. But yeah, these guys have, they have fantastic looks. They're like um, La Sombra, also known as Almos in WWE, has a really similar style to these guys and... We, I've never heard of these guys before I did the podcast. It's super interesting to see them and a shame they didn't have bigger careers. We can break down the match in a really simply the villainos play the villains and they do a lot of tag wrestling and grounding the guys, trying to stop them from doing their high flying moves. And that doesn't stop them. Both Lismark and Garza get their shine on. It's pretty hard to describe the type of moves they do. A lot of like springboard arm drags, a couple suicide dives. We get the corkscrew plancha that Tanae absolutely goes mental over. Also, Garza does an actual very good rolling clothesline. Take that, K-Dog. That's how you do it. End of the match, though, is uh, after a suicide dive to the outside, Lismark brings Villano 4, I want to say, back into the ring for the pin after a backbreaker. Garza distracts the ref by accident, trying to alert him to the other Villano getting in the ring. This lets the Villano's switch and the fresh one play dead. When Lismark goes to pick up the new Villano, Villano 5, he rolls him up in a cradle for a tree count and a win. So, fine, bad guy, twinsies ending to the match. And another match that probably is pretty good if you give it more than two minutes. Probably better, too, if it was earlier in the card as well. Oh, yeah. The crowd are dead for this. They don't care. There's two reasons you're showing up for this episode. It's the Dylan announcement. It's the main event. And both of those are still to come. They do not care. They do not give a crap about this much. Finally, Gene is in the ring to ask JJ Dylan, what is the situation with Sting? Dylan says it's a mess. There's so much distrust for Sting at the start by the management, by the wrestlers. Dylan says that Sting has dealt with this better than WCW has, helping his friends and helping the WCW out when he can and that there was way more mistrust in the management than there was by Sting. Dylan says WCW needs Sting, and he says he wishes for Sting to come down. He has a contract for him to fight. Sting arrives after some pleading from the rafter. Dylan says he wants Sting to fight Kurt Hennig, but Sting rips up the contract without saying anything and just walks out. Dylan says he's not going to give up, and he'll find out what Sting wants. I certainly wouldn't say what Sting wants is a match against that new wrestler, that has no alliances. <laughs> a free agent. A free agent. Uh, as he's key to yeah. point out. You're all, the also, the other main thing that Dylan says, which I think is important, is that WCW needs Sting. Yeah. 
and the implication is quite strong. I I think from the way that Dylan puts it across, yeah, the sa- he wants to say it's a savior. Now we won't talk too much about this segment because it actually ties a lot into the ending of the main event and a lot of our points we're going to make about the show then. So we'll save it as JJ Dylan is an convincing actor, and we'll go to the next segment. <laughs> Buffer is back in the ring to announce the main event, and he gives the fantastic intros he always does to both Luger and Hogan. Hogan is out with no one, ready to fight by himself, none of his NWO cohorts, which is a little strange, not not usual. No even Vincent to carry his title this time, too busy playing guitar on it. Super mixed reactions, I think, by both men. It shows a lot about the WCW era at the moment, with the crowd very divided over who they want to win. A lot, I think a bit more cheering for Hogan, but still a lot of, uh, a lot of love for Lex. Yeah, I think a part of the problem is the, the crowd's a little tired as well. Yeah, Yeah, that's definitely true. I do like the commentary, though. Tony mentions the last time Luger was champion, that like he's been there before, but now it's like the most watched program in history, even though that's kind of a shill. But he's going to go against the man that set the standard of the world title. I, I thought that was a nice piece of commentary of like, like, is that guy getting in his way? Is he going to be nervous for this match, even though he's been there before? Yeah, I completely agree. This match ends up playing it a bit basic, but an absolutely fine match. Hogan plays the dominant heel the majority of the match in any time that Lex gets ahead of steam. He uses underhanded tactics to keep him down, like a thumb to the eye when Anderson is breaking him up from the corner. There is a terrible commercial break about halfway through this match for some reason. And then when we come back, we are told that Hogan has used a steel chair on Luger. <laughs> if you're going to have commercial breaks in your main event, that's fine. Do it at rest holds. Why are they being done at chair shots in the middle of the match? <laughs> I really hope that there actually wasn't a chair shot. They just made <laughs> it up. He's just trolling just the live audience. I, I would, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't just, be surprised. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like I totally wouldn't be surprised because they went, like when they go to commercial, he's in a rest hold. I'm like, surely they're not going to do like a chair shot. It's <laughs> <laughs> just being a troll. Next time he's like, he took out a gun. We had to take a gun off Hogan. It was insane. I can't believe you guys missed it. One of the things they say before they go to this ad as well is like, if the match ends on the ad, we'll, we'll update you when you come back. I'm like, yeah, what? we'll have the tape, so it'll be fine. Uh, who knows? The NWO might steal the tape, though. Yeah. Fuckers. That's what, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that happening after this as well. We have something to discuss with that. But uh, yeah, this what, what's so egregious, if he did actually use a chair, is this whole match is like Hogan gets frustrated. Like Lex gets no offense in, and Hogan is rebuilding up the sympathy for him. He hits a giant boot, he hits a leg drop, and Lex keeps kicking out. And Hogan is getting more and more frustrated. And if you miss a chair shot, that's making Lex look even more superhuman to the crowd at home. Just It's just bad communication and organization by not only the production, but it's also by the ref and the wrestlers in the ring. They need to be timing that stuff better. My big problem with this match and kind of this era, I think the WWF did a much better job at this kind of, uh, this kind of angle or this feeling with rivaling like big groups. I didn't like Hogan coming up by himself no. because at this point, no. the crowd is just like, uh, well, okay. When's the run and coming? Why am I watching this now? Come on, run and starting. Cause that's when the match is going to end. So I think that's good. I, cause what I was going to say, if this was WWF, uh, they would start with the brawl and the running. <laughs> <laughs> like they would full on, like all the guys would be out there. They'd all have like big schmoz. And then they, the match would start because like everybody else has screwed themselves over and gotten wrecked or whatever. Sure. Well, I mean, fast forward to the the Mankind Rock match. I mean, that's both the factions come out and then it's like, all right, if you blink first, I will yeah. 
yeah. our group will take out your group type of thing. I I, I wish yeah. they could kind of done that, but obviously as we get to the finish, but that kind of bothered me going in the early match because yeah, it's a fine old school type match in the beginning, but it's the same time. It's like, well, it's the big MWO. You've built this up for three hours and all right, two guys just come out by themselves. It just, really? It just makes them look stupid. It just makes the heels look stupid. I don't mind the other heels coming out and like a referee going, no, they can't be here. Do the whole, you know, over the top, throw them out. Or like WCW, as you said, with that with that McFoley angle, have WCW come out and stand there and make sure they don't interfere. Anything like that. But when a fa- when a heel has made a faction just to keep the title and then all of a sudden they're like, no, I don't need help. Not goaded. It wasn't like Lex was going, you can't win by yourself. You're such a coward. Because then it makes sense. Just, you know what? Today I feel like no help. Or even if Hogan had said like, oh, I, this is a p- piece of cake. Like, right. Don't worry about it, guys. You go home or something. Go like take a nap. Anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go do some drugs. I mean, uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it, it's, it's weird. And I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to make the run-ins be more significant. But it just makes right. everyone involved look. It makes the people running in after look stupid. It makes Hogan look stupid. It even makes Lex's win feel cheap because it's like he had to work less for it because the heels were stupid. It even makes the commentators look stupid because they have to act like they're surprised when they show up. Yeah, it is. It's just not good booking. The ending is um, after miss, after hitting the first big leg drop and us thinking that Lex is gone, there's a kick out. Hogan goes for a second one, but of course Lex jumps up and hits a clothesline with a couple other moves. NWO hit the ring because of course they do, but Lex clears out uh, how sending Hall into Nash, knocking them both out of the ring, throwing Macho Man off the top rope and then out of the ring. Nash's bump is amazing. <laughs> Nash's bump was amazing. He acted like he was shot. Took forever to get into the ring so that he wouldn't have to take any sort of offense and then acts like he got shot in the face when he gets somebody bumped into him and he bumps out of the ring all in one go. Stellar work. Absolutely <laughs> stellar work from Nash. <laughs> <laughs> And then Hogan, who's only taken two or three wrestling moves at the stage, gets put up in a rock and immediately taps out. He smells it. He's got a rocket. They're standing in the trunk. Yes. He's got him in the rock. He's got him in the rock. The crowd explode. This is huge. The entire locker room empties out faces and heels to come celebrate Lex's victory, which for once makes it feel like it's WCW versus NWO. The win feels big. It's a little rushed. It's like they know they're going to go off air soon. And I'd expect them to have Lex up on their shoulders and just stay in the ring for ages. But after a couple seconds, they just move to the back and Lex seems to rush his celebrations pretty hard. The commentary team put over WCW saying with Ted and the title back in WCW's camp, it's the strongest they've been in years. We are showing them all celebrating backstage. Giant is awkward through this whole celebration. He kind of always has his hands on Lex in like awkward places. <laughs> and then backstage, he like won't let go of the title. He's trying to like scrub the paint. He has like turpentine. He's trying to scrub the paint off the title. And I'm just like, can you not do that later, Giant? Just 
Come on, let go of his title, dude. <laughs> that that spray paint sure has faded though, as they originally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I thought they would have like For touched sure. it up a little bit more. But. <laughs> nah, you gotta look grungy. It's it's grunge is at its its biggest at this era, right? Sort of, sort of. <laughs> Wrestling's always mm. like two or three years behind. Yeah, <laughs> behind. Yeah, yeah. Like Raven showing up, they clearly don't know what to do with him because he's a he's grungy. Yeah. <laughs> what is this newfangled thing? <laughs> At least they know what it is. It could be worse. It could be in uh, WWE and not know what Razor Ramon is ripping off. Yeah. So when we started this podcast, if you gave me an over and under of how many matches Hogan would lose, <laughs> I would never have guessed like over two. And now we're at three. This It's just, I cannot believe it. And we have to celebrate a little bit because anytime Hogan loses, this is this is an awesome. I'm talking about singles matches here. Not, not these bullshit like tag team matches a, or whatever. It's a banner day. It <laughs> is amazing. I'm, I'm with WCW celebrating there. Like, yeah, take that, Hogan. <laughs> I love it. Some of them have been weird, weird flexes by Piper, and I'm not sure how much he'd lose outside of them. But yeah, we'll, we'll take him as they come. So I actually not seen like this whole ending. I mean, I've, I've, I think I've seen a short clip of the locker room coming out and celebrating with Luger, but I didn't know they were going to go backstage and do the champagne, which by the, yeah. by the way, if you don't wear protection for your eyes, that shit stings. So hurts. Yes, yeah. yeah, he does. I've done it in rugby a couple times, and it's not a, uh, it's not pleasant. I don't know why people do it. Yeah, but honestly, in my notes while while we're watching WCW celebrate, I'm like, all right, when we're we gonna cut to Hogan bitching? When when's that happen? <laughs> yeah, and you got it. Uh, we got it in his non-distinct <laughs> backstage locker room area, I guess. NWO trashed the locker room, Hogan throwing over stuff and shouting about how it, that wasn't meant to happen. That was a fluke and how they're going to get it back at Sturgis. Maybe have come out with your people or maybe just got DQ'd straight away and then you could have defended that Sturgis. Maybe do anything that doesn't make you look like the worst heel of all time. Just suggestions. I didn't look that bad. He was dominant. I do like that he was dominant for the match and they built up the win because we said early in the podcast and those matches hopefully are gone forever. The Hogan acting like a coward and rolling to the outside a million times doesn't really work when you're six foot seven. It doesn't come across well. And I don't think Hogan is fantastic at it. But these kind of matches, you know, he kept dominance. He was sneaky. He was taunting the crowd. I think this wasn't a good match because it's very old school and slow paced and Lex didn't do much. But I think it's absolutely fine to get Lex over as a match itself, like in, in isolation is what I mean. I don't think it's a good match because neither of them can wrestle particularly well, to be honest. Yeah. Like from a wrestling point of view, uh, whatever with the rest of it. That, that, uh, that is absolutely fair. What, what do you think of the match, Connor? In isolation, what do you think of this match? Well, I actually thought it was okay. I, th- I think Gus doesn't give Lex's selling enough credit. I think Lex is a good seller. So That's probably true, yeah. <laughs> I, definitely, <laughs> I definitely agree with your point, Dave. Um, not him cowering and actually wrestling just a little bit. It doesn't have to be anything great. Because all you do is throw punches and do some body slams or whatever and some choking or whatever. And then you say weird things at the camera at times. Like, that's all you have to do. You don't have to do big things. That's what he did at Bash of the Beach as well. So, yeah, this yeah. is a much better Hogan. And even, like, his bitching is he seemed a lot more angry. Like, him throwing table. Uh, I mean, he kind of, like, botched throwing one of them because I think he saw, like, I think it was, like, a laptop or something on the, the table. And he stops himself. Yeah, yeah he's <laughs> like, ooh, I, I, I shouldn't throw this table. Uh, I'll throw this other table. Yeah. I think it's, like, yeah, sound so. equipment. He's like, oh, that's kind of expensive. Next time. <laughs> right. That's amazing. But uh, him yelling at the cameraman, which was, I thought, like, the, the best way to end, end the segment. He seems a lot more angry. It's not just like, oh, I'm going to brush it off, whatever. This this one actually felt like it meant something. Yeah. So I, I actually yeah, really enjoyed the match. 
what do you guys think? We'll, we'll take the gloves off. As a whole, what do you think of Lex winning on the 100th Nitro? Oh, so much to unpackage here. Because, um, <laughs> I mean, this is just like a year build here. And we'll start then making it a bit smaller. Do you agree at this moment that Lex is over with the crowds that we're watching? Yes, I th- I think I pointed it out in the previous episode. I kind of wish they did this a little earlier, maybe, because he was definitely yeah. hotter December, like early winter. Agree, yeah. And I think it like yeah. it's he's kind of like lukewarm a little bit now. The, the, yeah, I th- I think they missed his time. It should it should have happened earlier. If they were going to give it to him, it should have happened earlier. I think people have surpassed him. I think I agree with both you guys. I think both DDP and Sting have surpassed him in popularity by a, a decent margin. And they do have storylines that might unfold later, so it's not maybe the worst giving it to Lex here. Also, what do you think of hot-shotting the title off of a pay-per-view just to spike the 100 Nitro? I really don't mind that. You you want your other show to feel special, and this is how you do it. You want to make sure that your show is enticing to watch. We always harp on like nothing's been happening, really. Well, sometimes something's going to happen, so that they need these moments that's going to happen in 98 as well. That one's a little bit more egregious than this yeah. one. So, uh, but I thought this was like a good, good timing as far as like the hundredth episode, maybe not good timing of how popular Lex is, but they needed something yeah. to happen at this point. And this was, I think a good way to, to switch it. It feels like the people who were in charge of the promo immediately before the main event. And then the people who are in charge of the main event weren't really talking to each other. Yeah. And it feels like the promo is at odds with what ends up happening because Dylan is after just trumpeting that Sting is the most important person in WCW and he's the only one who can save the company essentially from the NWO. And then Lex goes and wins the title right afterwards. And it's just a bit odd and it just doesn't really make sense. They seem to have been all in on Sting by that stage. That was the plan, like that they're heading to Starcade and he'll get to wrestle Hogan or whatever. And yeah, I do agree with you, Connor, that they're like, oh, they should do something for the Nitro. I, I don't know. It just doesn't seem to work right. Like they, they put so much effort in and they've gone, oh, just give it to Luger. Right. I, I See, I agree and disagree with you, too. I th- and we discussed before the uh, f- before the recording that like I kind of was hoping that Sting was kind of involved in the match somehow to, yeah. make, to make it more fluky almost. To be honest, I per- I would have been perfectly happy with J.J. Dillon comes out. He offers Sting straight up the world title match. Yeah, it makes no sense that he didn't. Mm. And Sting just goes, okay. And then you can have either of them win then, whichever way you want to go. Or like he can kick Luger out. Then he has like a ready-made thing with Luger because Luger's like, I've, I've been here the whole damn time and you just sit up in the rafters and you get to like all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it just seems to like completely ignore Sting all of a sudden. I, it's It's just... It's just really weird. Like they weren't even aware of the two segments and then they're right beside each other as well. I mean, some of it is my inability to block out the fact of knowing what happens um, to a certain degree. So it it is looking back in hindsight and kind of going, that seems like a waste of what you just did. Yeah. Yeah. Mostly I would agree with you. Although I I think the way they handled most of this match and, I actually kind of like how they took the time of like, let's go to the, the you know, the backstage. Cause like, if you're going to win the world title, like, you know, when teams like win the championship, you want to show them celebrating and things like that. So I actually miss that in wrestling a lot. I, I wish they would show more things that more, mean something. Yeah. It made the title like felt like it really meant something here. So I actually thought they did a really good job with how like the t- last 10 minutes of the show went. 
I, th- I think the the result is good. Yeah, yeah. I do think that they handle it well and it's done right. And it, like you said, it, it leaves a moment. Then they have like, oh yeah, in the hundredth episode, we had Luger wins the title, like kind of thing. But yeah, it just I, it's the wrong time for him. I, I don't. I know you you brought you sent us a link of Kevin talking about what was going on backstage at the time, and it just doesn't. I don't think it comes across at all on pay per views that he's that over. Certainly by this stage. I think Kev is kind of BSing in that shoot interview. I think I've watched most of that shoot interview. Just in, in segments, not in one go. But a lot of it is him defending his booking or the booking of WCW. And a lot of it makes no logical sense. Because the, the question is kind of framed in not why give it to Lex. Why give it to Lex and a, a Nitro? Like, oh, he was already over. And the question is more, no, why not wait to the pay-per-view? Why not have the whole NWO run in on the main event and like sell pay-per-view buys? I, I realize the 100 Nitro is special and you want something marquee to happen. I'm not sure if that has to be it. I would have much preferred to see the Steiners beat the Outsiders on this mm. or something. Like one one of yeah. the secondary belts have like a big result and then this main event get ruined by the NWO to really build up Hogwild. Road Wild. Eh. Oh, sorry. Road Wild. That's, that's a bit of a problem, I think, with their with their other belts all right like jared has the u.s title right yeah who has the tv who is the tv at the moment i had to look it up before before the recording uh they hot shot it to dragon because i think regal's having some uh you know drug problems (laughs) and that he can't find Uh, enough drugs (laughs) (laughs) like the u.s title is being completely wasted at the moment and if anybody should have that belt at the moment it's ddp because I can understand why, like, I think DDP is in a better spot than Luger is. Having seen him, like, grow organically and he is over with the crowd and he has an actual, I think he's more of a personality than Luger does. But I can understand they're like, uh, he's probably not ready for it. But he should have that US belt and he should be, like, a fighting champion or whatever and have it for a while. And then he can learn and he gets the chance to wrestle against those guys. Instead, he's just, like wrestling Kurt Hennig at the pay-per-view, just dicking around with random guys and kind of interacting and getting them really over with the crowd and they're not really doing anything with them. And then Luger is like, they push him and then they just kind of go, oh, we're not really sure. We'll just, uh, I guess you can have your world title shot now. Like it's like they've gone, they've decided, yeah, we're all in on Sting. Sting is the one that's going to take the belt back when he finally comes back through this long, long thing. And they're agreeing to that with like DDP. And then they're not agreeing with it with Luger because somebody made a better argument like Nash is suggesting. I may, maybe I'm also over overselling what a hot shot does, right? Like maybe this does just build interest in this show. They're so concerned with winning the Monday Night Wars as well. They want stuff like this on Nitros. It seems like they don't care as much about pay-per-views. And if that's your goal, then this is like a fine thing. But yeah, I, I also completely agree. They've missed a boat on Lex and it feels like they're panicking a bit. They're like, oh crap, maybe we should have given it to Lex much earlier. And now it's like a bit too late because now now it, it's very clear that Sting is going to eventually be a champion or topple some of the NWO for a while. And after that, it's very clear that it's going to be DDP has to step up eventually because he's so over. So now they have a very clear view of what the next year in, in their championship title can look like. So now they kind of have to be like, crap, we've kind of wasted the Lex thing. Uh, okay, use it to spike Nitro and then spoilers, it, it gets hot shot backed. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. well, that's what, it's hard to talk about it without talking about that. It just gets hot shot back at Road Wild. And that, again, is just to spike interest. Yeah, Hogan has the title again. New dominant run for someone else to come topple. So, yeah, they, they've missed it on on Luger and 
they're, I think they're kind of going to screw it up for short-term gains, which should be the name of the WCW, I guess. It's kind of like they've gone, this is set in stone. Because of that, like certain people are just stuck. Like they just can't do anything about it. Like DDP, like he's just, there's just a certain four or five guys ahead of him, whether face or heel. And that's just the way it is. And nothing he does is really ma- going to matter for the next like six months. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm going to use the, the, the favorite devil's advocate reason of why like DDP doesn't have any kind of belt is, well, he doesn't need a belt to be over. Yeah, fuck that. Yeah, I, 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 hate, I hate that reasoning. Yeah, same thing with Scott Hall. It's like, oh, why did Scott Hall never win a world title? Oh, he never needed it. There's so few people who genuinely are like that, and it's. I, I think it might be a tiny, like it's Andre. It's Andre kind of guys where people are gonna pay to see him no matter what. Maybe someone like Brock in the modern era, but usually that excuse Taker. is just Taker never needed a belt. No, Taker's. I'll agree with Taker. They just cart that out for big guys. It's like they're trying to trick them. Don't worry, buddy. We we consider you a champion. You don't need a belt to be convincing. But give him the belt. That's so rude. Give Kane the belt. That's not true. He needs a title, okay? <laughs> it just feels like wrestlers are almost fed that excuse for years. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I've I've always I've always hated that logic, and I, I just wanted to bring it out here. But going back to Luger, I'll though, I I'm fine with him getting this this short title reign here because obviously he's not like he's he's a big name, but he's not a good. He's the, he's not the guy that you want to put your confidence in. Obviously, like WWF, like realized that as well. Yeah. And Bischoff didn't like him. He was like he didn't want to sign him in the first place. We have him. We might as well utilize him. So we'll just do a short title reign. So I think that's the best thing you could do for him as well. Yeah, I'm guessing a lot of a lot of our questions are probably answered with there was a lot of backstage politicking going on, and this caused several decisions that aren't the best thing for the company, but were to serve certain people. I think honestly, if Lex had beat Hogan instead of Piper and then got screwed out of the title and made it like a chase for a while before getting beaten down and making way for Sting to save his old buddy Lex and come back, that's such a coherent storyline to tell over a year. And it's very easy to put in this place. But they signed Piper and Piper needed his two or three matches and it wasted Hogan's time. It's like it wasted all this heat to please new signings. You know, that's a core of one of the problems for WCW for years to come. And it's even happening a bit with Hennig now. Like, he's jumping straight into a feud with DDP. And is that wasting DDP's time? Like, we'll have to see. I'm not exactly sure how it unfolds. But it kind of sounds like it to me. I I think he's going to tread water now for quite a while. Hennig? No, DDP. I don't think he's going to get anywhere near that belt. And he's they're just not going to give him anything to do. And he'll still show up and everything. But I don't think he's going to realize his potential nearly as soon as he showed there's a lot of guys like that though in the company like booker t should not be in a tag team <laughs> scott steiner should not be in a tag team we'll jump forward years but not till like the debt of wcw does booker get a push that he needs and then it's like one of their biggest moments like when the millionaires club or whatever the fuck stupid eric <laughs> stuff happens at the end the millionaires club new blood new blood and he's like he's their new champion and he's gonna lead the future yeah about five years too late <laughs> this guy has been over since we start doing this cast there's no way he shouldn't have had a singles run at some stage there's too many political mouths to feed their titles don't mean enough so you can't just give the secondary title to dallas page because they don't respect it so why why should we respect it? like None of them were defended on this 100 show. 
Why isn't the US title defended on the 100 Nitro? Where's the TV title on the 100 Nitro? That's an, that's crazy. What, why do I care about your belts if you very clearly do not care about your belts? I'm trying mm-hmm. to think. Was the Cruiserweight title technically defended? I can't, I don't think so. No. I don't. I don't know if they said it was a title match or not, yeah. but you at least saw it on the show. Yeah, I think it was. Oh, no, no, it was. Which is more than Sorry. can be said for the tag belts. It, or It was defended because I have a note. They said it was defended, but they're already talking about how he's definitely going to defend it. Oh yeah, no, no, that it was funny because like, oh, I'm gonna wrestle you, Jericho, for the title. I was like, all right, now I got to wrestle this title match. So, <laughs> yes, got, obviously. Now I got to beat this plat, even though our, our our wrestling match is 100 set in stone. Let me beat this random guy. Yeah, this plat is probably not a cruiserweight either. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely not like, <laughs> under the, the weight limit. He's a big guy. We talked about how he's like an athletic big guy before. <laughs> so there's there's already a lot of the problems that a hundred books and a hundred online blogging nerds have talked about about nwo but they're uh, becoming very apparent i think the booking of this hundred show really shows a lack of intuitive writing skills by anyone in the backstage area yeah yeah nonetheless so i actually sort of enjoyed this show for most of the shows that we do this show is goes by really quickly yeah yeah the show's fine i wish there wasn't as many squash matches cut three of these matches out just don't have them exist and give some time to some of the other matches is all I would have liked. Yep. But besides that... Easy. Yeah. Yeah, it's not hard. <laughs> it's it's like they felt like if there's an extra hour, they need to advertise 100 matches. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense. And we, we talk about them spiking ratings a lot with stuff like sling, uh, shotting the championship back and forth here. But... You know what else might spike them? Just a very long match between Hogan and Luger, or a long match between Benoit and Six. Those things will keep people interested as well in a different way. And a lot of wrestling, a lot of the Attitude Era doesn't agree with that. They're just like, no, the only thing that spikes ratings is a couple of stunners and a couple of swerves. <laughs> it's the only thing that'll do it. Some suckets, yeah. yeah some suckets. There's a lot of. Xbox did fill the quota of suckets in his two minute match. So no one else was allowed to use Sucker. <laughs> I'm going to ask for your uh, overall thoughts on the show since we've ripped through what we thought of the Lex push at this stage. Connor, overall review of the show. I uh, wouldn't watch the show again, but I'm glad we covered it for our timeline. So that's pretty much all I can give it. Too many matches, obviously, for as going back and watching it. As far as representing Nitro, as I said, like this is just way too long. And the, the two-hour Nitros are way more structured. At least we didn't get the bullshit finish at the end, because that's pretty much every week of Nitro. So I think most of the crowd was afraid that that was going to happen. So I think that's why they were a little quiet. But overall, this was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, finally, some Sting interaction as well. He's been kind of nowhere past like month or two so i really enjoyed the show and i'm looking forward to what's coming up next and whose side are you on at the end of the show i probably would have to say wcw just because i thought it was a really good feel good moments you have to go through the underdogs them celebrating it just felt good it felt genuine and fergus what did you think of the show i think it confirmed to me what i already knew which is that i'm glad i'm not watching the nitros weekend week out because um, i mean Fuck this my is life <laughs> it's <laughs> like it's not it's not an incredibly bad show or anything like that but definitely not something i would go back to could easily have been like a great show if it was like an hour and a half maybe there's several matches you could cut out several promos whatever the the ending is is quite decent i mean it's a cool moment they had to do it for their 100th show I guess like it's better than a lot of the pay-per-views we've watched because of just how easy it's to watch. 
it wasn't so much of a chore. It didn't feel like a chore watching it a lot of the time. Maybe that's because of how hyperactive it is. That pretty pretty short segments just all the time. And whose side are you on at the end of the show? Uh, it has to be WCW. I mean, they get the upper hand repeatedly tonight to the point where like the commentators are like, oh, we're finally breaking them and we're making a, a statement and blah, blah, blah. Like, when we're not looking like goons right now. Yay. Yeah. Yeah, they're making an NWO member look like a goon. I mean, it, it's Vincent, but, you know, <laughs> <laughs> got to start somewhere. So, so yeah, definitely WCW. Overall, I'll say fine Nitro. I've seen bits of others and have not envied Connor's job, so it, it could have been a lot worse. Um, yeah, I'll just reiterate what I said. I think this would actually be a good show if they just took out two or three of the squash matches. It's 100. I, I understand that pay-per-views are for big matches and normal shows are for building up wrestling and angles, but your 100 show, give me something besides a big swerve at the end, you know? I would have liked to see one or two good matches on the card, or at least longer matches on the card. And as far as sides go, can I be in Raven's flock? You would. (laughs) Uh, No, of course, has to be WCW finally getting some momentum back, and for once, nearly all of the NWO members looking like absolute goons at the end of the show. That's us for another edition of the WCW versus NWO podcast. Follow us on social media. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, under the handle WCW versus NWO podcast. Connor, where else can they check us out? Well, you can also check us out on SoundCloud. That's where our podcast mainly comes out on. And of course, uh, I have to plug the Vimeo page because I like to post an occasional video episode. Sometimes we do a little short like snippets of funny bad matches, but we also did a little retrospective on Clash of the Champions uh, early 1997. So that was a really fun one. I'm hoping to get to do more of that kind of stuff in the future. Again, that's Vimeo.com slash WCW versus NWO podcast. From me, Connor and Gus, thanks for listening and join us next time when the Dat Match gets Mexican. <laughs>